On today's podcast from the North Wahala Church of God, Pastor Neil continues the study of the tabernacle. Today's message is from Wednesday, May 2nd, 2018. Now here's your speaker, Pastor Neil Nolan. This week has been very busy for my, me and my family. I've been in meetings on Monday, all day Tuesday, and some, some hard meetings, to say the least, on the state level. I was at the funeral home today with Gary and Wanda and Danny. Spent hours with them and just loving on them and their time of need. And I've looked forward to being in the sanctuary of the Lord. Amen? It's just something about coming in God's presence where we can lay all our cares down and know that He will meet with us right here. Amen? Maybe it's just me that I'm in need of a touch from the Lord, but I feel His presence in this house. If you have your Bibles tonight, I want you to go to the book of Exodus, chapter 26. The book of Exodus chapter 26 we'll pick up in verse 31 i was going to bypass the veil and go right into the most holy place and then i felt almost rebuked by the lord and understanding that everything in the tabernacle is there for reason and purpose and nothing is out of place and everything has a place and so tonight i want to go and talk about the veil i'm going to move if I can, to the book of Malachi. I did a series in Columbia on the book of Malachi, and I want to share a few truths that I can maybe bring some application to the veil tonight. So let's go to the Word. You shall make a veil woven of blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine woven linen shall be woven with an artistic design of cherubim. You shall hang it upon four pillars of the kale wood, overlaid with gold. Their hooks shall be gold upon four sockets of silver. Everything has place. Everything has design. And you shall hang the veil from the claps. Then you shall bring the ark of the testimony in there behind the veil. The veil shall be a divider for you between the holy place and the most holy. You shall put the mercy seat upon the ark of the testimony in the most holy. You shall set the table outside the veil, the lampstand across from the table on the side of the tabernacle toward the south, and you shall put the table on the north side. I want to teach on this for a few moments, and I want us to go and look beyond the veil. Tonight, before we pray, I want you to get the sense of what's going on. We have marched our way west. Now we're almost at the last place. The suspense of knowing what's on the other side of the veil is before us. That's the way I will approach this subject tonight. I don't want us to be casual in our thinking. I don't want us to look past the veil. I want you to understand how important this moment is as we embrace God and God allows us to embrace Him. How many need to embrace God tonight? Now listen, let's quit playing games here. Let's realize the world which we live in. Let's realize what's going on all around us. I need God to touch me tonight. Amen? Amen. Stretch your hand this way. I want the hearer to hear tonight. Victoria, once again, would you pray that the congregation would hear the voice of the Lord through Scripture? You may be seated tonight. You must understand that here in the book of Exodus, 
they understand because God has given great description that cannot be violated. God says, when I tell you how many pieces of furniture I want in the holy place, I don't want you to put four. And when I say put this here, I mean put this here. Because all of this is foreshadowing to the New Testament where Christ would be revealed and become our high priest and even the veil. Now understand as we're marching, all the tribes are gathered outside the tabernacle. We enter into this beautiful gate. We go into the gate, we go bypass the brazen altar, past the laver. We enter then into the holy place. Thank you, my brother. As we enter the holy place, there are three pieces of furniture. And now we have taught on all three pieces. And now we're about to go to the most holy place. But before we go to the most holy place, there is this veil that is hanging. We used to sing when I, I came to the church in the 90s. Some of you might remember the song. I know, I know Crystal and Joy will. But let the veil down and let the praise go up. If you've ever been in a Pentecostal altar service in the 1990s, they sung the song, let the veil down and let the praise go up. It was saying, God, take down what's between us and let our praise come up before you that we might have communion or common union with you. As now tonight we see this veil here, you must understand that they understand there's nothing past the most holy place. So as the veil stands there, they realize this is it. This is as far as some of us can go. And the high priest on the day of atonement, the next step is as far as he can go. So you've got to understand the magnitude of this moment. I want to pull up a few pictures if we can tonight. Look at this veil. Look how beautiful it is. Look at the three colors that dominate. Understand the fabric and linen. Understand that it's four inches thick here. Understand that this priest now, he's about to enter therein. And if he goes therein, he must be clean before Almighty God. Because on the other side of this veil, it represents the very presence of this awesome God. There's a couple more pictures, I believe. Look at this veil that's standing there. Notice the cherubims there, but notice they do not have swords in their hands. And I'll talk about that in a few moments. These pictures depict this awesome God. When I came to the church in the 90s, the African-American preacher that I used to like to listen to, he used to say that God is a terrible God. When I heard him say that, Brother Mark, the first time, I thought it was a mistake. How can we call this God a terrible God? Me not knowing scripture, the King James in the Old Testament calls him a terrible God. It doesn't mean terrible in our vernacular. What he was saying was God is so awesome that when people don't understand him or people run to him not the right way, there is terror in the heart of man. This awful God, this God that is awesome, this God that we stand in awe of is a God that is so magnificent and beautiful and holy that he must be reverenced so we can come into his presence. Can somebody say amen tonight? These are not cheap words. But this goes beyond our words and our, our spectrum to understand that this veil separates man and God. To think this, that the great desires of our heart is to know this God. This God that this universe cannot grasp or contain, but yet he wants to live in our hearts. This God that speaks comfort to us to calm our fears. 
Yet his words are where the very essence of the nail that the world hangs upon. And we can see this Mona Lisa because when God said, I told the son to stay there, he stays in the very place that I put it. Can somebody say amen? This God that wants to be approachable, inviting, yet he also says, you can't come to me unless you come to me my way. If you come to me, you must come in reverence. I want you to hear me tonight. While God is forgiving, he never wants his forgiveness to be exploited or taken advantage of or be a free license to sin as some preachers preach today. God gives us grace freely, but we must understand that his grace is never cheap and it comes with a price. Pastor Nola, why are you saying this tonight? Because I want you to understand this very clearly. God wants to dwell with his people. I told you when I started this series, it was God saying to Adam, Adam be still. When Adam messed up, God said at that very moment, I'm gonna make a way for you and I to have constant fellowship once again. But to do that, you've gotta let me do it my way and not your way. Listen to me tonight. God wants to have fellowship with you. But you cannot come past the veil your way. But Brother Nolan, his grace pardons all my sins. But his grace then teaches you not to do that same sin again. Now this is going to be a little old school for a moment. But if you stay with me, we get to the book of Malachi. Somebody might even shout here tonight at this Pentecostal church. What a concept. Amen? Look to your neighbor and say, it might be you. As we approach this God tonight, there stands this veil. In the Old Testament, God's glory is behind this veil. God's presence is there. This is where we long to be, but yet, before I can get there, there is this veil. The word veil means a covering. In Exodus 36, it gives instructions on how to make the veil. This veil would not only be a covering, the word covering is actually given because in transport, the veil would cover the ark. And then when the ark was stationary in the tabernacle, the veil would no longer cover the ark, but the veil would stand there separating the ark, the symbolic presence of God, away from mortal man. This veil in the Hebrew means to separate or to break. This veil is separating God or man or break the common space between God and man. Why, Pastor Nolan? Because sin has separated God and man. Come on, somebody. This sin is there. The veil there, in essence, is a cover to separate or break or to be torn, which then speaks to its destiny. Because why? In the Old Testament, it is set there to separate or break. In the New Testament, it would be torn. But the torn would not be by man's hands, but by God's hands. Because Hebrews will, tell, Hebrews will tell us that this veil is no longer the four-inch linen, but the veil is Jesus Christ. See, you, and the veil it is symbolic of foreshadowing that the priest will go through me to get to the presence of Almighty God. But in the New Testament, the priest would not go through the veil because the high priest is become the veil. And so the high priest is no longer identified with the priest of flesh, but is identified with the high priest which was accepted by God, which is Jesus Christ, his son. Fifteen foot wide and high. Made from fine linen, blue, purple, and scarlet. 
dominant white behind the scenes representing the pureness and holiness of God. The veil represented Jesus Christ. Like the veil, his flesh was torn on the cross. That way the division of God and man can finally be healed once and for all. Now the making of this veil was a woven by a procedure known as hoshin, finished on both sides, which allow the cherubim's on there, if you see the one there, the cherubim figures to be visible from the holy place and also the most holy place, which is powerful. That from both sides this can be seen. Hung on four pillars, overlaid with gold, stood on foundations of silver, on the center of silver, excuse me. Now what happens is the veil's been identified to you, now somebody's gotta go in. But to go into the veil, to go into the presence of the Lord, it takes boldness. Somebody say boldness. Hebrews 10 and 19 says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness, say having boldness, to enter to the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. Boldness, what's the difference? Because we don't enter as the high priest did. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, we enter into a new living way. Let me explain it to you. The, the Old Testament high priest would go in. Next week I'll show you what he wore. And, and it, it's a very descriptive uh, garment and precise. But he would go in. Legend tells us that they would tie a cord around his leg. There was bells around his garment. The bells represent joy. In the presence of the Lord, there's the fullness of joy. But if he had sin in his life, the bells would stop, which means he died, so they would pull him out by the cord. Are you listening? You and I are different. That high priest had to be bold and be pure, but you and I, even though different, we must still be bold. Why? Because we come into a new way, a better way, a living way, but that living way is Christ Jesus the Lord. So to be bold, we must be bold to declare, God, I desire to be clean, and I desire to serve God Almighty. But to do that, you've gotta go by the new way, and the new way is Jesus Christ. There is no other way. There's only one door to the tabernacle, and there's only one way to God, and his name is Jesus Christ. To come now to the presence of the Lord, you must come by the way of the cross. Can somebody say amen? amen? So now we stand at the veil. We stand now at the place of Jesus Christ, Jason. We want to come in God's presence. But it's going to take us now to be bold, to declare that God, my flesh is filthy. And my garments are not white. So how do I take that next step? Let me show you how tonight. Go back to the Garden of Eden. Do you remember in the Garden of Eden, I, I, I said this to Terry and Mike before church in our MIP meeting. You remember in Adam's sin, he found a gate at the garden, so to speak, to lock him out of the garden. How many of you remember that in scripture? And at that place, I say gate symbolically, at that gate there, it had a cherubim drawn by sword that would not allow him to come back in. Hello? My preacher, are you listening tonight? That stood there because God said, get out, get away. You violated our covenant. You go, and that cherubim stood there to say, you cannot come back in on your own. You have broke the covenant of the Lord. But on this, on this mail, there's cherubims there once again. But at this place, as we go to embark to the most holy place, 
these cherubims somehow have dropped their sword. Their sword is no longer in hand. Why? Because the veil is no longer being blocked out by the cherubims, but they are inviting us now. Because the sword is no longer to keep us out. The sword was not dropped in, in a sense of do nothing, but the sword has already been drawn. But it was not drawn to keep man out. It was drawn placed upon the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The lamb that was slain is still sufficient for us to come in to the presence of Almighty God. The sword was not dropped. The sword was placed to the neck of the lamb. Can somebody say amen? amen? Instead of blocking, it seems like this veil now is calling our names and saying to us, with the cherubims thereof, come join him. Have communion with God. Come see the lamb that was slain. But Pastor Nolan, if the sword was drawn, then that lamb is dead. But you told me he's alive and this is a new living way. Book of Revelation in chapter 5 would say this, and I looked and beheld, and in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. I come to let somebody know tonight that lamb, that blood that was sprinkled on the mercy seat, that lamb is still alive. We don't have to have another lamb. We don't need a bullock. We don't need a dove. We don't need a, a, a heifer offering. We don't need a new offering or old offering. Jesus Christ was accepted. Are you listening? He is the lamb that was slain when they threw him in a grave. He got out on the third day. So now I can come behind the veil because he lives inside in my heart. Can somebody say amen tonight? This lamb cannot be destroyed. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the one that invites me into the most holy place. He tells the leper, I can make you clean. He tells the adulterer, I can make you white as snow. He tells the pastor who is backslidden. He tells the preachers who have fallen by the wayside, I can make you clean again. I can put the word back in your hand and a new song in your heart. He tells the churches that are dead all across this world. We're trying to plant churches now in European countries that once had synagogues and cathedrals that were filled with thousands of people that now are dormant on Sunday morning. He says to them, if you will come back to me and live in me and come back in the presence of Almighty God, I can restore this broken fellowship. But to do that, we've got to have hunger again. As I preached last week, we've got to have fellowship with God again. And we can't just walk up to God We've got to go by a new living way. Through a veil that is not made by woven linen, but was made by the Holy Spirit in the womb of a virgin. Hmm. By understanding this, that we must go through Him, but we must do it with reverence. And here's where I want to preach or teach. You and I have a privilege that we all share. But you and I, we've got to come to him now through this veil the same way, though, the Old Testament priest did, with reverence and awe. And that's why my introduction was how terrible this God is. 
Hebrews 10 and 22 says this. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts, what? Sprinkled from our evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Two things. We come boldly, having our hearts sprinkled and our bodies washed. Hearts sprinkled, bodies washed. Stay with me. This side is going to be hearts sprinkled. This side is going to be bodies washed. Amen? It's about time for Wayne's monthly bath, so that's why I chose this side as bodies washed. Amen? Even though we come boldly, we come in this new way. So we must prepare ourselves to come to God Almighty. We cannot be like the heathen, nor can we be like those. And I know what somebody's thinking. Well, pastor, are you telling me I've got to wear a suit and tie? Absolutely not. It is not really about the clothes or the tie or the bow tie or the dress. It's about the content of the heart. But there is a duty and a responsibility to the New Testament believer that there are two things that must happen to go behind the veil. We go through Jesus, but we do so through Jesus by having our hearts sprinkled and our bodies washed. To be sprinkled in your heart means that the Spirit has sprinkled our heart with the blood of the lamb, not a lamb, but the lamb, just as the high priest sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat on the day of atonement. I'll talk about this next week. But quickly, once a year, he would go behind the veil, first for himself, secondly for the people, okay? We now have a high priest that has gone behind the veil, in the veil, through the veil, because he is the veil, but he no longer goes once a year, he went once and for all. He sprinkled that blood on not a mercy seat, but a heavenly mercy seat. And then God said, I approve. And when God said, I approve of this blood, there is no need for any other high priest to come. That's why you don't have to stand in line to talk to God. You can come boldly, boldness, to the throne of grace, Therefore, you can obtain mercy. Behind the veil on your job, my feeling. Behind the veil in your home. Behind the veil in your car. I had to pull over. They put that song Waymaker from Sunday morning. I had to pull over today because I begin to have church all by myself. Laura and our college career, they did an outstanding job, but let me just brag on my baby just a little bit. When that woman started singing that song, that he's a way maker, I just had to pull over. When I came back into my house today and I heard my three-year-old saying he's a miracle worker and he was singing by himself while he was playing with his army men, the veil was rent in my house because I was in the presence of Almighty God. I've come to let somebody know tonight if your heart's been sprinkled by the blood of Jesus Christ, don't let no devil in hell keep you out of the presence of Almighty God. We now come through this veil because we have been sprinkled by the blood. We have been marked also and washed. If our hearts have been sprinkled by his blood and then we have been washed or marked by his sacrifice, then our flesh has been washed. Therefore, we have been changed or transformed. This is old school here. 
And since we have been changed and transformed and our hearts have been sprinkled, then therefore let our attitudes and actions reveal the transformation that has already been taking place. That's why I don't cheat on my life. Because I have been sprinkled, I have been washed, and I don't want to die. No, nothing tied around my ankle, you understand? I have been sprinkled, I have been washed. I don't have to pray 45 prayers. I don't have to go do 25 things. I don't have to go do five things of my flesh. I come through his blood. I have been sprinkled. Then I stand there not because I am a reverend. I have no titles in his presence. I have no board membership in his presence. He doesn't care what my Cleveland, Tennessee number is. He doesn't care how many I pastor in his presence. I'm not there on my own merit. I am there because he loved me enough to die for me. And I stand clean in the presence of Almighty God because he loved me while I was still a sinner in my sins and since I have been sprinkled now I am washed and my attitude is not for to be praised and to be honest with you I am so humbled for Sunday morning pastor appreciation but to be honest with you I told you this before if you want to honor me honor my wife and my children and therefore you honor me but to praise me there's no good thing in me I know what I've done and where I've been and where I've come from. And I know what you're going to say, but Scripture says, and I appreciate that. And, I, and you've already honored me. Some of you on Facebook have said some kind things, but can I be transparent? In me dwelleth no good thing. All that I have, I stand in His presence because I have been sprinkled and I have been washed. And now the veil has been opened because the veil is Him and He lives in me. And He says to Neil Nolan, Come, all ye that are weak and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for it's easy and the burden is light. I no longer stand outside. I'm no longer in the Gentile court. No priest, you will not tell me anymore that I can't come in. In fact, preacher Nolan, I don't even need you to go for me. I'll go right by myself, walking hand in hand, led by the Spirit, holding hands with Jesus Christ, my Savior. Watch this. So then if I've been sprinkled, then my actions and my attitudes are different. I don't blow up because my steak was not the right temperature. I, I'm, I'm just going to be truthful. If you're going to eat with me at my table, you're going to tip or I'm going to tip for you. But if I tip for you, don't come back to my table the second time. Because you're different. Listen to me, you're different. Don't tell me they deserve that. We deserved hell, but we got better. You're different. You've been sprinkled and washed. The police pulled you over. Don't cuss them out. You were speeding. Don't talk about his mama. You're saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. Talking about speaking in tongues. Are you sure those are tongues of God? Brother Lord, you shouldn't say that. Oh, I believe in speaking in tongues. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. But I've seen some people speak that I didn't know that was tongues or not. You know why? Because your actions and your attitudes will resemble each other. You understand? I've seen pastors rebuke people who were speaking in something trying to cause confusion. You should, you're different. You're different, church. You've been in the presence of Almighty God. You're different. Your marriage is different. Your television is different. Your life is different. Your actions are different. Right? At least they should be. 
Maybe I'm preaching somebody that's going to listen online. Amen? I'm being honest with you. So therefore, if you have been washed and sprinkled and the veil is his flesh that you've entered in by the cross, then you should come with reverence. But you say, Pastor, and let, let me be transparent. That's where I struggle at. Because I want to come with reverence, but what does reverence mean? Because sometimes reverence means that we, we took that, that you couldn't even speak in church. You understand what I'm saying? When I was coming along, my daddy wouldn't let me wear blue jeans to church. I've told you this before. Wouldn't let me wear blue jeans because I was going to reverence God's presence. And my dad's going to be here Sunday morning, so don't tell him I said this. But once in a while, even though on the outside we were reverencing God in his way, sometimes on the way to church, dad might let out a four-letter word in his own way. And I didn't know if that was really reverencing God or not. I told him one time, Dad, I'm going to tell the preacher what you said on the way to church. And he said, and then you'll walk all the way back home too after I beat you. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so we can't define reverence in our own way. But that is the difference between the liturgical church and the, and the Bible church. Doug Smalls does a great job of this in the book that we've been teaching from. He talks about the liturgical church and the Bible church. The liturgical church will go through rituals. And they will have the cathedrals and the stained glass. Where the Pentecostal Protestant Bible churches, we can have church in a hut. We can have church in a house. The liturgical church will say God cannot be approached because he, he, he must come in a certain uh, formatted, regimented way. The Pentecostal church says, get out of my way, sweetie. I'm going to shout in the presence of Almighty God. You say, brother, which one's right and which one's wrong? Both are right. Hold on what I'm saying. God cannot be fathomed. God cannot be figured out. But on the other hand, he can be made known. What I'm saying is this. He will never be understood by us in totality, but he can be understood. I can't tell you what he looks like. I can't tell you how long he's been here because he's not defined by age or days. I love these new people now that fuss about is the earth flat or how old's the earth. And I go back to them like this. The day is like a thousand years, and the thousand years is like a day. Who knows how much it is? And what does it matter? We're fussing now. Churches are dividing. Is the earth flat? I don't know if it's flat. I think it's round by what they tell me. But if it was rectangle or in a square, what does it matter? What matters is the blood of Jesus Christ to those that are lost. I can't define everything about God. I can't tell you every nuisance, uh, every nuisance of God or every nuance, excuse me, of God. I can't tell you why he says in the Old Testament, my name alone is Jehovah, yet he gives us all these names. Why? Because Jehovah represents him in his essence, but he has other names because one name in our tongue cannot really define who God really is. Because to Stacy, he might be a healer, but to him, he might be his banner tonight. That's how big he is. So while the liturgical church says he's too big to know, and we say, oh, he's so big, he wants to be made known, both are right. I can't totally define him, but I can tell you I do know him. Oh, I don't know everything, but I know he loves me. Maybe that's why some of our old grandparents who were uneducated had an easier time at times understanding who God really was. The old grannies in the church would say it like this. Oh, son, I can't explain him. 
and I sure love to tell you about it. I can see those grannies now telling me as a young boy, oh, young preacher, let me tell you about the God who brought food to my house when we didn't have food. Sister Pierce rings in my ear. I, I know I've shared this before, but Brother Nolan, I fasted seven days when they told me I had cancer. And on the seventh day, God healed me of cancer. I can't answer for nobody else, but he's been good to me. Oh, she didn't know him. Not in the ways that the theologians know him at Lee University. She can't tell you what every name means. She can't tell you about systematic theology. She can't tell you uh, about the different gospels and the minor prophets and the major prophets. But she can tell you about Jesus. Why? Because he was made known to Even though there's tension, one theologian said tension is good because it brings a balance about this God. To reverence him doesn't mean you've got to have a towel tonight. Doesn't mean you've got to go through a set of rituals. Just means you've got to know who he really is and know who you really are. You realize that you're going to get God's presence tonight. You might as well leave your ATM debit card at the door. You want to get his presence tonight and get past the veil? I know your name might be Nolan, but you might as well check it at the door. Brother Nolan, I'm fourth generation church of God. He doesn't care because he's the ancient of days. Amen. Brother Nolan, my great grandma put the first brick of this church so I have, I have a little more leeway and I have special privilege. Can I tell you the clay that that brick was made from was put there by the word from my Savior's mouth. So when you lay all your accolades and you lay them as keys to lock the veil, I will tell you, you still have been denied entrance. But when you stand at the veil and you plead the blood of Jesus Christ and you tell him, God, I'm nothing without you. I lay down my titles and my robes and my rags. There's somebody here tonight, you've been living lately. It's been hard for you. And you're thinking that you're not worthy. I come to let you know tonight you are worthy because God says you're worthy. And if you'll plead the blood of Jesus Christ, you can come back into the presence of the Lord. He'll forgive your sins. He'll wash you. He'll wash you clean once again. And you can be made right in the presence of Almighty God. I'm going to go to the book of Malachi. Can we go there, chapter 1? I didn't know if we would have time. Joy does a great job, doesn't he? Amen. That's all right. Give him a hand. Amen. In Malachi, chapter 1, here's all that God has wanted. So, Brother Nolan, what do you mean by reverence? This is it. A while ago, her child was crying. Was that irreverent? No. It's a baby crying. We have tried to put the reverence of God based on our terms. And why I'm not advocating abusing the sanctuary or offending people who help build the sanctuary. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that the reverence cannot be predicated on the actions of the outward flesh. 
The only time the outward flesh can be judged if we understand that the outward manifestation of irreverence has flowed from an inward heart that is corrupted. Did you get that? There's nothing on the outside that has been done if it is irreverent to God denying you to come and access with Him. It means that somewhere inside in your heart you have forgotten how holy and how awesome this God really is. Brother Nolan, you're talking about the drunkard. No, I'm not. Brother Nolan, you're talking about the lady down the road. No, I am not. Because they don't know him by having the blood sprinkled upon their heart. I'm talking to churches that are dead in the church of God. I'm talking to Pentecostal churches where there is no more prayer and manifestation or gifts of the Spirit in operation. Are you listening? I'm talking about right now where we're trying to plant a church in Prague, in Amsterdam, and in Paris, where one of the cities there's more prostitutes than there are Protestants. We have one church in Amsterdam, one house church. There are churches almost on every corner. There are synagogues and cathedrals that will sit 2,000 people. Denise, there are no longer churches. On Sunday morning, priests will stand up with his sidekick, and there might be three people in the church. It will sit 2,000. They only fill up if there's a classical orchestra uh, musical sometime during the week. On Sunday morning, people buy tickets to see the old stained glass windows. They no longer come free to experience the presence of Almighty God. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because America is a few years away from the same thing. I, I love history. I love Southern history. I love going to churches in the South, rural South. I love going to Charleston churches. George Washington sat here when he came in 17 whatever. I love that type of stuff, but listen to me. That's what our churches are becoming. Pastor Hager pastored. Pastor Nolan pastored. 30 years ago, God was here. Now we just come in and it has become a museum. Why? Because we have bypassed the veil. We forgot about the heart sprinkled. We, we forgot about being washed. We forgot about how good it felt to be in the presence of Almighty God. We are now satisfied having our preacher look good. We vote preachers in if they have hair or not. I'm not joking. We vote people in whether or not they have a good golf score. We vote them in if they will get us out by 11.58. Just stay with me. That's what we do. We want them here if we, can, if we can get that preacher cheaper than we can get that other. We are now treating it as if God is exiled. So then we come in and we talk about how good it is to be in church. If it's that good to be in church, why are we having to beg people to come to church? Oh, I'm not talking about sinners. I'm talking about church people. You want to know why? Because they no longer desire to go beyond the veil. We have got satisfied at the brazen altar because we just didn't want to go to hell. I said that, quote it, tweet it, whatever you want to do. We don't want to go to hell, but we forget that there is a progression. And I'm trying to let somebody know tonight, it's not if you're Pentecostal or not. 
but that Pentecostal desire of going deeper in God where I decrease and he increases and he begins to reveal different levels of who he is. I may not know him fully, but I can still know him. Brother Nola, why don't you get drunk anymore? I don't want to. Because when I got drunk on him one time, I didn't desire that mess anymore. I know I'm supposed to be Malachi. I'm trying. Why? Why are we going to beg them? Why? Why are we going to beg people to come to practice to sing? Why do we have to beg people to come to, 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 to pray for the pastor on Sunday morning? Why? Why, why are we going to beg people? Why do we have to beg people to come to church? I shouldn't have to beg deacons to come to church. Come on, somebody. I'm not preaching to you. You're here on Wednesday night. You should be the amen crowd. Amen? You should be saying, preach it, preacher. They're not here. Amen. Why? Because we forgot how it felt to be in God's presence. We forgot how good it felt. Just like today. I know it's 8 o'clock. I don't care right now. We forgot how good it felt. When you got to pull the car over because the Holy Ghost comes in the car. And you start singing, he's a miracle worker. He's a way maker. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. He's a good God. Malachi, he says real quickly, and I may pick up from here next week. Malachi says, honor me. And the priests ran back to him and said, we do honor you. They almost said to him, how dare you tell us to honor you? Look at all we do for you. We give you tithe. God said, you don't give me tithe. God said, in fact, I curse your seed. He said, I, I don't even want you to honor me as a God to a constituent or a worshiper. He says, in Malachi 1 and 2, just let me paraphrase it. He says, Malachi 1 and 2, he said, I, I don't even know if we're on a master-slave relationship. Hello? He said, I just want you to honor me and reverence me. That's, that's all I'm asking for. I just want you to have all of me again and realize I'm a good God to you. I shouldn't have to remind you that God saved you. Your worship should remind us that you are saved. That's good. I wish I thought of that because that's good. That's the Holy Ghost. I shouldn't have to remind you. Your worship should tell us. I'm not saying fake or loud worship. I'm just saying your worship, sometimes by coming faithfully, Little hand waved, tear in the eye, telling somebody who's struggling to not come to church, missed you Sunday. You know God's been good to you. Let me tell you how good he's been to you. He said, what about my reverence? Coming back to my house and just give me a tenth of that. They didn't realize God owned it all. And they said, no, God, you don't understand. You're asking something. God said, okay, I'll do two things. God said, I'm going to curse your seed. Seed is where life begins. You want to know how valuable seed is? Go get a 50-pound of cotton seed or corn seed. See how valuable. Why? Because seed represents potential. You can't have unless you have a seed. Anything on life begins in a seed. You with me? I don't want to do science here tonight. God says, I'm going to curse it and not bless it. You don't want to reverence me? You have no desire for me? I'm going to curse that seed. Therefore, your future shall be nothing. Listen to me. Listen if the church 
Does it reverence and awe and anticipate and desire fellowship with God? Hello? Brother Nolan, I just want to be in his presence. If we're not praying that way, God curses that seed. Guess what? We have no future. Churches who have told God what they didn't want in this book, what shouldn't be in this book, and how this book has so many flaws in it, and have rewrote this book, we wonder why they're closing their doors and Ichabod is being wrote on their doors. You want to know why? Because the seed of two generations later has no idea who God even is. Hello? He says, I'll tell you what. Not only do I, cut, I curse that seed, I'm going to rub it in your face. That's what he says. He said, the dung that is there, I put it. Somebody just said, what did he say? That's what the scripture says. I push it back in your face. Brother Nolan, where does that even come from? It comes from worship that is stank. That's a low country word. Two minutes. I don't like the way Brother Nolan preaches. I don't like that song crystals just so. 10%, really, God? That church, look at the look at the projection system they just put in. They don't need my money. Look at that preacher got a new shirt on tonight. See, that's a lie already. I've just lost some weight and I can finally get into the shirt. <laughs> Somebody told me that walking in, it was actually Russell. Look at that brand new shirt you got. I said, no big boy, I just lost some weight, that's all. But see, our worship is like that. I can't worship less of Southern Gospel. I can't worship that little Willis girl. Oh, no, no. I can't worship with Danny. I can't worship with that Southern Gospel group. I don't like none of that God. I don't like that style preacher. He moves too much. He don't move enough. He does this, she does that, all that. And see, what happens is God says, don't you just want to be in my presence? Whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, come Lord Jesus. Whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, come, Lord Jesus. Last time I close. Whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, come, Lord Jesus. Would you stand with me all over the house, please? If the revival comes from our children's ministry, so be it. If it flows out of the nursery, if a child gets healed by prayers of our workers and administrators, so be it. If it comes from a Sunday school class across the road, if it comes from the choir, if it comes from an evangelist of one of our oldest Grammys, I don't care. I just want him. Let me go behind the veil. Anybody else want to go behind the veil tonight? Father, I have taught your word. And I had to start slow and walk us to this place. My heart's been sprinkled. I have been washed. And I go through Jesus Christ a new, living, better way. If He would accept me, I don't know anybody He would not accept. Thank you for saving me. And God, would I desire money or the applause of man or the applause from my peers 
And when I trade my calling, and I trade it all, when I only study just to preach, and when I only pray because I have to preach, and I don't seek you because I love you, God, bring me back to the altar. Because when the preaching is gone and the titles are laid down, all I have is you. I need more of you tonight. Never let us be so distraught and in love with this world that we treat you as they did in Malachi. Let us fall back in love with you. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. 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 Can we give God the biggest hand of praise as we close? I just feel him in this house. As you leave tonight, go home. Take five minutes. Shut your door. Go to your prayer closet. I feel burdened right now. Before I close it out, there's somebody in here. I, I don't want everybody coming. That's your problem. If there's somebody, you say, Pastor, I'm not walking where I need to be, where I've done something. I, I just want to come back in his presence. I'll pray with you. Even when everybody else is dismissed, I will stay and pray with you. Is there anybody tonight will say, Pastor, you spoke to me. And I, I want to I go back in his presence one more time. Anybody, I'm not going to push. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to. You know, I, I, I want to be able to sleep tonight. All right. All right. All right. You're free to go tonight. God bless you. I'll see you Sunday morning. You're great people. And I'm honored to be your pastor. God bless you.